And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Welcome, we are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Mr. and Mrs. America across all the ships at sea, captains, courageous, princes of destiny, and all, all that good stuff. Good to have all of you here with us. We are broadcasting live to Odyssey Facebook and uh, YouTube. And Odyssey looks like it's having a glitch, so that's the way it goes. If you are with us live, the chat is open. Uh, we also have this show available as a podcast. If you uh, prefer to consume your media content in that way, uh, and as always, we do invite you to leave comments. And uh, if you've got feedback you want to send us uh, by email, the, uh, the address is live from the bunker at sci-fi-for-me.com. We also do invite you to sign up for our newsletter. So there is all of that. The last show of the week, and it is 395. We were just five shows away from 400 and i don't know that we're gonna do anything specific or special or anything like that we're just going to keep going the way we go and uh, some of that involves uh, my ranting about various different things and some of it involves my having guests about certain things like we do today peter topside joins us for his second appearance here on the show welcome back sir thank you for having me jason and we are talking now about, uh, reach back here and get it, the third book in the Preternatural series is out on April the 12th, I believe is the date that I saw. Reckoning is the title of this particular book. And I, I find it an interesting now that, because I, I went back and I'm doing my homework this weekend, or, or this week prepping for this show, and... Something I had not noticed before, but now I'm going back and looking at it. Your book, number one, says, Welcome to Meadowsville on it. And then your second book, Welcome Back, and your third book has, these are little subheads, subheadlines. Uh, the third book says, God help us. And it, and it feels like there's progression here. Uh, are, we, are we at the culmination of of everything that's been going on. And, and I know because last time we talked, there was, uh, you were kind of iffy on whether or not there was any more stories to be told in this universe. Is this, is this the end? Is this book the last one? Yeah, so this is the, the definitive ending to the Preternatural trilogy. So all the characters, uh, you know, that, that we've kind of grown with in the past couple of years, Christian Reed, Alexandra, David, Blackheart, um, Mr. Smith is actually in this third book, and I know he's only been referenced the first two books, but he's actually returns in the third. Um, but everything really comes full circle. Um, and I did do a little bit of world building in this final book, and that's not to say I, I'm necessarily going to expand on that, but I think there's other stories that, if the mood strikes me, could happen in the same universe, separate of 
you know, everything that's gone down in the, the Preternatural trilogy. So you're basically leaving some, some breadcrumbs for yourself as an out, just in case. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That actually, that actually is kind of a smart strategy, given that you you always have the possibility. And we had talked about this last time, as far as you know, the TV deal, the 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 animated series, or the comic book, or whatever. You know, getting into other media as part of all of this, I, I think it's I think it's smart to at least plan ahead for the just-in-case moments. And whether or not any of that ever comes to fruition, you still have the groundwork laid to make it easier for later as opposed to having to go back and, oh, now how do I get myself out because I wrote myself into a corner in this last book. So it's good to see. I think think you could probably get away with doing some kind of an anthology of short stories next. Possibly. Definitely an idea, sure. So let's uh, let's go through the Reader's Digest uh, description of this without getting too uh, heavily into spoilers before the book even comes out. So this this book is the climactic third act. You have uh, I, I'm I'm assuming just based on the description on the back, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I'm assuming that Blackheart is at the center of this. So give me the give me the the pre-see on this and and let people know what it's about. So basically, at the the end of the second book, um, you know, uh, Blackheart was was pretty much laid to rest um, by Alexandra Hughes, and that was really um, seemingly the end of his character. Um, but the whole premise of the second book was that you know. He was introduced as a vampire in book one. Book two was called Evolution because, um, you know, he specifically as the centerpiece of these three three books um, really was starting to show that there was something a lot different than just a normal vampire with Blackheart. He was he had different abilities and he was um, becoming something much greater than what we originally took him for. Uh, and that all happened in the second book. And then he's put the rest at the very end. Or seemingly so. And the third book, um, you know, we're reintroduced to this character in the afterlife. Um, and that's, again, not spoiling anything, but there is a consistent issue between him and God over the trilogy. And the third book really dives deep into that. So um, he is basically cast back down to earth, um, you know, in a, in a completely different form. He's, um, and this is again, not, no spoilers, this right. is what's in, included in the summary, but um, he finds a way to resurrect the original um, antagonist in Meadowsville, who was Mr. Smith, who was his uh, former uh, abuser, who had killed his parents, who basically turned him into what he became. Um, and you have Blackheart working through Smith to kind of avenge himself. And then he finds a way to come back into the fold, but he's, again, more of a... A, a, a god at this point, as opposed to just a vampire or some other kind of creature. He's he is something much scarier, much more, um, you know, violent and um, just something that really unsettle you. I guess is the best way to put it. Something unsettling that'll work. Yeah. So the you you've mentioned before you're 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 influenced by uh, Dracula, of course, Stephen King, and and that sort. 
as you're going through now finishing the third book now it's done uh did you did you at any point expand out in your research in your in you know in casting your net about for various influences on the kind of story that you wanted to tell were you looking to other genres uh besides horror you know because the vampire is has has a particular trope and it sounds like you're playing a little bit with that but also twisting it a little and you know you mentioned the violence there's plenty of that to go around so i you know, are you are you looking at current events at all for any inspiration for the for the dread and woe <laughs> um I definitely, you know, the, the, the first book, again, didn't dive too heavily into religion. The second book definitely took the plunge. Um, this this third book really, really dives into the religious aspect more because, like I said, God is um, an active character at certain points of the book. And he is a he is a presence. It's no longer just him being referenced or, um, you know, cursed at by characters or, or prayed to like he is an active character. Um so I, I definitely look very strongly towards, you know, things like the Book of Revelations, which is just pretty much hell on earth, the battle, you know, hell versus heaven. Um, that was a very strong foundation for the story, mm -hmm. I would say. Um, but beyond that, you know, the the premise of the three books, there's there's a lot of undertones of different aspects of mental health. And as I just said, religion, of course. And I really worked hard to try to intermingle those um, while also having a, a very coherent and interesting story, whether it's for somebody who just wants to read a good, a good horror book or, you know, somebody wants to read a book and really think about some of the concepts and look at some of the deeper stuff in there. Right. Um, but, you know, it, certain things we've seen in the past number of years, um, you know, Meadowsville is really like a, a definition of, of ignorance. Um, you know, the, the town exists and it keeps repeating its the same mistakes. It's not learning from its mistakes. It's not evolving. It's just, the, it basically keeps putting itself back into these precarious positions. And that is one of the reasons that, uh, you know, individuals like Mr. Smith, Blackheart, all these terrible things can happen because they leave themselves open to it. Um, and even though they're being advised by you know, our, our heroine and Alexandra Hughes and some of the things Christian Reed has done to show them like you, you cannot, you know, much like a mental health condition, you can't just act like, okay, I'm going to go to therapy for one or two sessions or take a, um, an antidepressant for a week and then I'm fine. I'll just go back to the way things were. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a long-term, you know, course of treatment to correct deep seated issues, address traumas, um, and really change, you know, uh, a mindset and somebody's specific lifestyle habits for the better. Now, you mentioned mental health, and we we talked rather extensively last time about your own background in in all of that, the 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 place where you came from, and writing horror almost as a as a means of therapy for you. And um, now that now that religion is is front and center in all of this as well are you do you have a particular faith that you're drawing from as well as your own history with trauma and, uh, and abuse and mental health issues or is this or was this just a lot of outside research into the nature of god how am i going to portray him the you know you mentioned revelation 
is this a, a is there a personal familiarity here or is this just I'm just going to research it just for the purpose of the story? So I was raised as a Lutheran and I, I had a, a lot of really um, unfortunate experiences with the different, um, you know, pastors in the church who were very abusive to, you know, myself and some of the um, the other, um, you know, kids my age who were going through the communion process and confirmation, all those things. So, um, you know, it got very ugly towards the end to the point where I was, you know, basically volunteering at the church, you know, sometimes up to 20 or 30 hours a week. And I, and I was only, you know, 12, 14 years old at the time. And mm -hmm. I was on top of going to school and trying to exist outside of that. Right. And at one point I was burning out. And when, when I had addressed it appropriately with the pastor, he had done an entire sermon about how I was ungrateful in front of the entire church and how I didn't respect the church. It was a really like, this was already after some other things that happened. And that was just kind of the culmination where I just said, I'm, I'm done. I yeah. will never return to the church again. That was it for me. Um, and I took a, a very long hiatus and it wasn't until my, uh, my mother, before she had passed away a number of years ago, her and my wife had decided to go to a local church um, near where we lived at the time. And they had met another pastor who really brought me back into the fold. And he had kind of shown me that the stuff that I was raised in is not. And then he was also a Lutheran pastor, by the way. Um, he showed me that, you know, religion isn't the way you were brought up learning it, what the the teachers had instructed you on what the pastors were doing. It was completely wrong and it shouldn't have happened. And he had uh, gone through the premarital classes with us and really kind of like reintroduced me to the whole concept of religion, which was really helpful. And we ended up going back for um, uh, several more years, even through the birth of my daughter and all that. Um, and, you know, it, it was, uh, it was just a really cool experience. Um, but, we had ended up leaving that church because he had gone, he had transferred somewhere else and we didn't um, have a good experience with the person who was his successor. Um, but, you know, I, I, I can't sit here and say that I would ever definitively not ever go back to an organized religion. It's highly unlikely, but I think at this point, I'm very content with being just a spiritual person. You know, I don't, um, I, I think having my own belief in relationship with, you know, God is, is it's a very individual thing. I'm very happy with where I am at that at this point. Um, again, I don't look down on religions or people who look to organize religions or anything like that. Um, I just think it's, it's, it's something each person has to find their, their own kind of niche with. Right. Well, I can, I can appreciate that. And, and everybody has, if they're, if they're, a person of faith, I'll, I'll qualify it this way, Every, everybody has that story of some kind of negative experience. And, you know, some people attribute that to the nature of organized religion and, and, and decide that they don't want to have anything to do with it. I'm a, I'm a spiritual person, but I'm, I'm not religious. And people make those distinctions. And I find it interesting when people make those distinctions and make choices based on those experiences. Sometimes I wonder, though, if you, if you not necessarily back yourself into a corner, but you, you limit the number of options that you have at that point. 
And from a from a story standpoint, you know, as a as a writer, uh, if you're looking at various different experiences in your life that you're pulling from, it, are any of these translate into things that the characters have to go through? Are you are you are you pulling from those religious experiences that you had and and dropping those into the book as well? Yeah, um, <clears throat> pretty much. Um, each character's journey um, has some basis with religion, of course. And some of those things were things I have experienced firsthand. Uh, others were things I've seen other people go through. Who I, I was, you know, whether it's a, an immediate family member, a close friend or a relative. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely one of the things I, I always try to do with the books is um, and this is kind of why I, I referenced before, like, the mood has to strike me right in order for me to write another book again. Um, I need to understand a character before I write them. Um, if I was to write about a culture, a, a type of person, uh, you know, without having that immediate experience myself, like to me, I wouldn't be doing it justice. Yeah. Um, so like I said, everything in the books has some, some basis that I've had personal dealings with at some level. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, needing to needing to have that that spark before you decide to write a story. You're not just doing it for the sake of doing it. Right. Are now that you've got these three novels under your belt, you know you've got other things in your life, you know, career wise and job wise and skill sets and all of those things. Do you now uh, feel comfortable considering yourself an author? As opposed to, you know, I've, I've just been dabbling. I'm just going to write these things as kind of therapeutic for me. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you comfortable with the idea now that you're a full-fledged author? You know, it, it took a long time. And I know, <laughs> uh, I think our last conversation, I was on the fence about it. But um, I, I, in, even in the past year, um, since you had me on last, I've, I've come a long way and I've I've learned a lot more. I've had a lot more experience in the literary world, and I, I definitely feel comfortable and confident considering myself an author now, for sure. And, and with the third book coming out, and I'm sure you've you've looked at there. There are a lot of people that are in the mindset. I never read my own. I never read the press. I never read the reviews. I never. I never pay attention to what anybody else says about my work. You know, actors do it. Uh, filmmakers, writers, authors. Have you looked at uh, reviews and and the reader comments and and that kind of response to your books? Is it? I'm assuming it's been fairly positive. Uh, is that is that something that you that you dial into and and you take into consideration? Well, they didn't really like what I did here. Maybe I had to change it a little bit for the next one. Or is that just? It's off here to the side, and yes, that's nice. You said something about my book. I'm going to pat you on my head and do my own thing here. <laughs> Boy, that's a complex response I got for you there. Um, right. No, I definitely, like every day, what I'll do is I'll go through Goodreads. I'm very active on Goodreads, um, whether I'm, I'm posting updates about, you know, reading other horror authors and, and, and really broadcasting what I thought of their books. Um, but I do check the reviews often, at least once a day. Um, and yeah, I mean, I never expected like everybody to love my books. I know some people hate the religious aspect. Some people 
thought, you know, just outright the first book was stupid and why wouldn't people just leave this town? And, it, you know, again, there's critiques. You can't please them all. And I get that. Right. Um, but I definitely kind of shielded myself before publishing the first book because the first book, as we talked about last time, was the only one I, I didn't have professional help with. That's why the cover, the content's a little bit more, you know, unrefined as compared to books two and three. Um, but, you know, it was important to me to write the story so that I was happy with it. Sure. Um, I didn't. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I, no, I was agreeing with you. I think I think that uh, is something because when when you're looking at it and you're like, oh, it's just not quite right. And you let it out there anyway. Uh, there are repercussions to that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, like, I, I know even after the first book, I had a, a few, you know, close friends and family read the original book and they're like, oh, the next book, you're going to have Adam's son become a vampire and it's going to be a father and son thing. And it was interesting to hear the theories. And meanwhile, I already had the, the whole outline of the second book done. And I'm like, I'm like, do I want to be to the crowd or do I want to do what I think is going to be right? So mm -hmm. it was it was it was a little bit of a, a conflicted thought process there. But but um, but again, in the end, I really want to stay true, you know, like. The, the books were all written a certain way with the characters acting certain ways, saying certain things, the whole outline. It was all done to a way that I felt was the best way to do it. And whether people agreed with it or not, I could look back on these books 20, 30 years from now and say there was no interference from my editors. There was no outside people telling me what I should be doing. Like, this is what I meant for it to be. And this is what what I put across uh, for, for better or worse. Now, um, as as a writer, yeah. along along those lines, let me ask you this: because uh, when I'm when I'm looking at a story, if I'm writing it, if I'm reading something, I'm doing any analysis or anything. Well, I've come to the conclusion that in any story, any character that's in the story can be broken down into one defining thing: what does the character want? And what does the character want in this scene? What does the character want in this particular story arc? That kind of thing. And as you're going through and you're creating the characters and you're shaping them, their, their actions are already pl planned out. You know what they're going to do. And you've got people assuming that it's going to go one way when you've already got it planned out another. I'm assuming that there is a psychology to these characters. They're going to be acting this certain way because of... X, you've got these defining places, these defining points de and, and behaviors. Was, was any of that based in any kind of a psychological research? You, do you have anything in your character bios that talk about the psychology of these characters and why they act a certain way that they do? Yeah, um... There's a lot of examples of things like codependence. So, for instance, Meadowsville is very codependent on, you know, Mr. Smith and then his successor in Blackheart. Um, Blackheart is basically, um, think of him almost like, like the disease, like a mental illness of sorts. Right. Um, he is designed to be such a proficient manipulator that he operates based on people's insecurities and their their wants and what they think they need and, and basically encouraging uh, all, all the things that he can control to keep a hand over people, whether it's a town 
uh, the, the original character, main character in David or Alexandra, any of these people. Um, so it's there's a lot of codependence. There is a lot of abuse in various forms, which is why the characters, especially Christian in book two, was probably the, the heaviest example. He got very heavily into into his trauma after what happened to him in book one. He was, you know, drinking too much. He wasn't getting the right mental health treatments, and he was basically suicidal. Um, you know, living in like a funk, um, which was destined to, to you know kill him at some point. Right. Um, so, you know, as the, as the books are going on, the characters are, are, are pretty much responding to certain situations and acting certain ways and saying certain things completely based on what their previous traumas were, what these new traumas they're experiencing were. Um, there's a lot of impulse decisions. There's, there's um, just a lot of different examples. I know I'm not giving you a direct answer, but there's just there's a lot of stuff deep in, in the characters. So there's, um, you know, and I've made no secret, I'm a very traumatized, you know, um, person myself. So right. one of those issues I have is raging OCD. So pretty much every, <laughs> every word, behavior, every little thing in the book, even if it seems like it's a throwaway at times, it was all designed to have a certain effect and come across a certain way. Um. All right. Well, with that, we're going to take a real quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk more uh, about character development and plot and, and process and what's next for Peter Topside. So uh, everybody stick around. We will be right back after this. Broadcasting from the super secret underground bunker at World Headquarters, this is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Hi, everyone. Jason Hunt here inviting you to join us every Saturday for news, science fiction, fantasy, and horror headlines from the week, plus interviews, updates on events going on around the world, and the weather forecast for the same. It's all wrapped up in one neat package for your weekend. We call it Good Morning Multiverse, every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Foreign Bodies, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back live from the bunker, uh, the, the social media channels, we've got all sorts of different places where you can connect with us. And uh, like I said before, I do invite you to sign up for the newsletter. We continue our conversation now with author Peter Topside about his new book, Preternatural 3 Reckoning, which is out April 12th. Peter, let me, let me ask you this, because you've got God as a character in this book now. Is that... Was there ever a point where you sit there and maybe have some second thoughts because that, if you do it wrong, you know, you've got a lot of people who are looking at how you portray God now. Is ever is ever a concern about that? Yeah, that, that actually scared the hell out of me, to be very honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I remember when I was developing the, the third book, like the initial outline, and I, I kept kind of running through it. I'm like, do I want to have, um, 
God as this active character? Do I want to have him speak? Do I want to have him just do things? And you know it's him, but you know what I mean? Like, it's very intimidating to try to take on, like, okay, if you were writing God, what would he say? Yeah. <laughs> that's being that's being very presumptuous <laughs> and very um, daring in certain ways. But I, um, w- once I started putting together, you know, more of the details, I decided, um, you know, he is going to be in it. He's not going to have much dialogue, and the dialogue he does have is very brief, and it, it's 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 effective in its brevity. Um, so he's not sitting there giving these long diatribes and having these verbal, you know, outings with with anybody like Blackheart. You know, it, it's nothing like that. He just he has some very brief dialogue in the very beginning uh, before he casts Blackheart back to Earth, and um, and then he is present towards um you know the end as well so you're not you're not pulling anything like marvel did making jesus a, a mutant then right so is, is your is your portrayal of god are you did you try to be consistent with what we see of him in the old testament the new testament or is this just oh, I, i'm i'm just going to use that as a framework and i'm just going to do my own thing um I'd say probably a little bit more geared towards the Old Testament in the sense that he's not as gentle as I think it, it, it may be assumed he or she is, I guess, you know, yeah. it, um, but it, it definitely, um, I kind of ran with it a little bit. Like I've had some really interesting experiences religiously in my life and, and, you know, whether people think I'm crazy or not, you know, maybe I am, who knows? Um, you know, it, I, I really built on some of those things because again, as I said before, you know, for me to, to write something well and to write it with meaning, I have to, I have to have that first person experience with it. Right. Um, so I, so I wouldn't say there's anything I directly took from, but I, 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 you know, looked over things in the Old and New Testament, of course. I looked at things that I've seen myself and um, and kind of just created, you know, what what I feel is probably the best interpretation of, of what, you know, God, God may be. So the book comes out April 12th. Reviews will be such and, and, and the people will react and people will respond. What are your expectations? Because now the story is fully done. It's it's told in total. Are are you hoping, praying, expecting any particular you know, if if people are expecting it to go a certain way and it doesn't go a certain way, uh what what do you think the response is going to be once this thing is all said and done finished? I definitely think and it's just my honest opinion. Um, I went big with this one uh, because I really wanted to tie up the story. Um, I wanted to make sure any ideas that I couldn't get into the first two books were included here, mm-hmm. even if certain things were a little bit more for the entertainment value. You know, this was like my last outing with these characters that I've been writing for you know, over 25 years. Like, I, I, I want to finish it right. I don't want to, again, look back years from now and be like, oh, man, I, I wish I could have had... David do this or Alexander do that or Blackheart kill somebody this way. Like I really wanted to make sure it was all in there. So um, honestly, I think people may, may use, use that as a a talking point in the reviews where it's a little bit more, 
theatric and larger scale than the first two books. But at the same time, it, it all worked in the story, at least how, how I thought it should. So hopefully it, it comes across, you know, not, not only as entertaining, but also meaningful as well. Now, is there anything that you left on the table that you just couldn't fit it in and, and maybe you've set that aside and it's in a folder somewhere just in case? Uh, good question. I, I, there, were, there, were, there was concepts for the first book, and again, this was years ago before I even wrote the first version of book one, Um there was a couple things I, I wanted to work in, but then once I actually outlined everything, they didn't have a place and it would have just come across as being kind of haphazard, you know, so I just ended up cutting them. Uh, but, but for the most part, I'd say 99% of the things I wanted are, are in the three books at some point. Well, so what comes next? What, what ideas do you have for new stories? Is there, is there, uh, you want to stay in the horror genre you want to expand out maybe do some military sci-fi or some fantasy you know dragons and wizards and such what's next for you <laughs> well i thought i thought romance might be a good option no, i'm just kidding um no i um you know i i haven't like i said there's concepts there's some ideas i've, I've maybe jotted down a few sentences for um i i have to stay in horror because that's something i've grown up with i've lived with my entire life and I've, you know, between the amount, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of horror books I've read and thousands of movies and, you know, it, it just, it's home to me. Um, and I need to, I need to, you know, again, write and stick within a certain scope where I'm going to be putting uh, relevant, well put together stories, not just, tr you know, again, throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks and trying other genres and all that. So, yeah. you know, if and when I return to writing again um, and develop some of these other concepts, it's, it's I'd say, again, 99.9% going to, you know, chance it'll be horror again. Have you thought any more about, because last, last time you were here, we talked a little bit about uh, graphic novels. Have you thought any more about expanding out into other formats for some of your stories? It's still in the back of my mind, and, and I, I really wanted to see how the three books were were received before I would do anything else with it. And I know there's been some, you know, chatter with my my um, project managers and things like that as far as combining the three books at some point, making like this ultimate edition, um, and and possibly doing some graphic. I've had a few people reference the graphic novel version as well, so. You know, never say never. I'm I'm open to other ideas. I'm, you know, I, I've said on, um, on on other interviews too. I, I'm I love these stories. They're they're my favorite stories, um, and as they should be. But I would love to see other people even write spinoffs of you know other experiences in this fictional town of Meadowsville, or you know, from points of view of other people who weren't involved in the main story but were seeing things and having their own experiences. Like, you know, I could. Again, I could just read about, you know, this this town, these characters for forever and never get bored with it. So I, I'm open to, to anything that comes down the pipeline. Right. Now, that makes me think about Stephen King's approach when he's got things that are sort of kind of related, but not really. Uh, Lovecraft did the same kind of thing where you have, like it's like you say, you've got the, the town 
and you have the options and you have the possibilities and the potential for other stories being told that might be in their own universe, as it were, but could easily tie back to what you've done here with Preternatural because, you know, like I said, there, there's potential for expanding out these, these stories in this universe centered around the town, but not necessarily have to. You know, you could have a, 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 a character out in Wyoming somewhere who grew up in Meadowsville, but, you know, that's, that's my past. We don't talk about that anymore because, you know, the thing, the thing what happened, we don't, we don't ever talk about that outside the town, you know, that kind of thing. Have, have any of the little notes that you've jotted down kind of gone along those lines at all? Yeah, um, I introduce, I believe it's, it's four other uh, fictional towns that are, are referenced in the story that, that um, are adjacent to Meadowsville. And, you know, they're also having very unique, um, I'm going to underline that word, unique issues of their own. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, again, if I were to write again, I think, you know, even having maybe one or two of the characters from Preternatural be referenced, like, oh, I knew, I knew Christian Reed and I, I know his family went through all that, you know, because the things in, in the third book are really like, you know, they, they're, they affect the entire world. This isn't just like contained to the one town. So um, everybody will know about what happened there. And, and, you know, whether, like I said, the characters being referenced or even passing through or being on a phone call for some odd reason, like there's, there's a lot of ways they could be worked in, but yeah, anything is, um, anything is possible. And I think it's, it's, it's really, as you said before, fun to keep those doors open because who's, who's to say what, you know, if I develop any of these other ideas I have, who's to say, you know, which direction I want to take it. So it's, again, leaving a lot of different, you know, possibilities there. So I've heard a couple of things that you have said now, and I want to, I want to follow up. One, I've, I've heard if I ever write again, and two, if I decide to do anything with it. And, and the easy assumption is, well, is Peter deciding that, you know, these three books are, that's it and and never to write again or or is this not to write again in this particular story universe are, are you are you contemplating hanging up the whole thing and going back to baking and being a chef and that's all you do um not so to put you on the spot I, or anything but i'll put you on the spot a little bit <laughs> no no i'm always up to this um no, I, I definitely, like I said, there's nothing immediately that, that I'm going to go hang up this call with you and, and go jump on my, my writing pad and start, you know, outlining a story. There's nothing like that immediately. But like I said, there is a, a small list of, of potential story ideas. Mm. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been really hauling, hauling butt for the last couple of years getting these three books out. And I, I pretty much wrote the second and third ones within a year of each other. Um, and I've just been going through the production process and doing this whole thing to get them released for, for several years now. So um, it's, it's unless something really strikes me, I'm probably going to take a small break from writing. Sure. Um, I would hate to give it up because it is something I really love doing. Um, but the timing definitely has to be right. And uh, at this current time, I'm having a blast uh, discovering these these unknown newer horror authors and interacting with them and doing whatever I can to get them 
um, you know, noticed. Um, it's, it's, I've been having a blast doing that. So I think until I, I pick up the pen again, that's, that's probably going to be the immediate focus is, is helping other authors right now. That's very noble of you. It's, it's part of that whole passing along to the, to the next group. Uh, now, you've, you've talked before about your writing process being, being some kind of therapeutic process for you, a little bit of therapy. Um, without getting too deep in the weeds on this, uh, I, and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, put us in any awkward place. If you're not writing anymore, if you take your break and then you decide, nah, I can, I can take a longer break. Is that therapy Avenue not viable or is there a point where you're just going to write stories just to just to entertain yourself and and you don't look at it as getting out of a hole somewhere are 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 you past that point now as already so i would say the preternatural trilogy is very personal to me for a lot of reasons um and the the main traumas the main uh, therapeutic processes um, a lot of the major stuff in my life up to this point is, is pretty much covered in these three books. So um, there was a, definitely a therapeutic um, outlet getting these three stories done. Um, I, I still, again, would like to write at some point. I think it still holds some value in, the, in that sense as far as my own mental health is concerned. Um, whether it's another trilogy of books where there is all these psychology undertones and religious aspects and this, that, and the other thing. I'm, or if it's just a book that I write because I have a, a silly idea for a horror book and I have some fun with it and, you know, I just do something and it's just made for entertainment uh, value. Um, it's still therapeutic because it's still, you know, writing, drawing, all these, these creative outlets, um, you know, intermingle with creative therapies like music therapies, art therapies. These are all things that are very research driven. So, so, you know, to answer your question, whether it's, it's a deeply seated story or not, you know, writing is always going to have a place for my, for my personal mental health, for sure. Now that you're done with the three, how does your family feel about all of this? Uh, has any, any, any of them come out and said something different now from when you started the started the journey with the first book yeah the first the first book as as i've kept no secrets about um i had a very very bad experience getting that published and i had to do you know like 95 percent of it on my own and i had no experience in the literary world i'm not a professional you know um writer editor you know i don't have an education and i'm coming from a science background so um it was a struggle and i think my my wife was very concerned because i had I had a lot riding on getting the first book out because that was a very long, several decades long journey. And it was important to me. And the fact that it was such a, a trying experience was concerning because now, even though I had ideas for further books, I was very disheartened about the whole experience. And right. I, I was like, you know, maybe I just let it be. I did it. I'm done, whatever. Um, but then once I, I took a small break after the first book was out and, you know, there was more to tell. And that's when the second and third books just kind of organically flowed out. Um, and I got the right professional help to, to make them a reality. Um, it, 
it, it definitely turned from more of a, a concern initially, like with my wife, to a, a very encouraging and, um, you know, she was very proud of me to, to, to really see this through and make sure I get the trilogy out um, and, and, and again, do so in the right ways. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of the first book, we've got it here. It is Preternatural, the second book, uh, book two, Evolution, Preternatural, book two, Evolution. And I can see what you're saying about the covers. Uh, book three, Reckoning, which is out on April the 12th. And did you say you were you were planning on going back and doing a new, an updated version of book one so it fits in uh, aesthetically with these other two? Is that we're going to get a new cover? Yeah, so you you can see as you're holding them, my my OCD gets really triggered because the first one's not the same size. So that's right. right off the bat, <laughs> it's, it's gonna bug me. Um, but yeah, I think probably by the um, the plan as of right now, which I haven't made public yet, but I guess I can do here breaking breaking news. Sure. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna re-release the first book um, probably sometime in, in the middle of October of this year. It's going to have a, a brand new cover. The um, my editor is going to go through and um, you know just basically help me fine tune, um, not change any of the content of the story, but just pretty much uh, tighten up any little loose ends. Um, you know, my original editor had me do everything in present tense when it should have been past tense. So it's gonna it's gonna just basically fine tune the whole the whole book and have a n- nice new look to it and and definitely fall in line with the quality of the second and third books. All right. Well, good luck with that. And we 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 will throw. Uh, we've got all of these links up in the in the uh, in the notes. The book right now that's coming out April twelfth, Preternatural Reckoning, and you are also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. We got all these. Uh, I'll double check and make sure all of these links are in there. Do you have a preference where people find you? Here, here you are on BookBub. Here you are on Goodreads. Is there a, a particular preference for you for for people to find where you're at? I, I say I probably you know check Goodreads at least two or three times a day, so I'm I'm on there a lot, um, and I, I make it a point to respond to every every message, even if it's to somebody leaving me a bad review. I always thank them for at least taking the time to read the books, but. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm I can guarantee like if somebody reaches out to me, especially in Goodreads, they'll they'll hear back within a few hours. All right. Well, uh, guess then we will send you links when I finally get around to writing reviews, and and <laughs> we'll do that. And and when your break is over and you have your next thing that's coming, we will definitely have you back, and we'll talk about that. And if you've got other authors that. Uh, that you think deserves some attention, you send them our way, and we'll uh, we'll talk to them too. So, see what we do with that. All right, Peter Topside, thank you very much for uh, taking the time and coming back. This is this is nice to have a returning guest every now and again. So, uh, good to see you, and good luck with everything, and enjoy your break. And when you get back, I'm 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 assuming the next great American novel will be coming from your pen, right? <laughs> yes thank you so much for having me back again jason it's always a blast with you all right and thanks all of you for uh being here as well whether you're with us live or if you're with us in uh, memorexville and those of you who are listening to this as a podcast we do invite you to check out the live video which runs monday through thursday at 1 p.m eastern and then coming up this weekend we have a new good morning multiverse with the week's headlines 
event updates and weather. All of that Saturday morning starting at 11 a.m. Eastern. We do hope you join us for that. And of course, we've got all sorts of different ways that you can connect with us. I mentioned the, the different social media platforms. We're on four video platforms. We do invite you to check us out over on Odyssey. Sign up for our newsletter. And if you're so inclined to throw us some financial support, there's a couple of ways you can do that too with the PayPal tip jar and the subscribe star account. And that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.